Hey, you know what you do for the sound syncing? What? You, you do like a clap. Oh, so that's I, a good point. Here, I'll, I'll do it. And then when you go to sync up the sound for this part, it'll be. Rob, I thought we were supposed to do it together. I'm sorry. I thought we were playing a game. <laughs> That's good. What's up, you beautiful people? This is Gary Horde, and this is this is the NWA, the podcast celebrating the past, present, future, history, legacy, and tradition of the greatest pro wrestling entity of all time. We're talking about the National Wrestling Alliance, and I am here with Dr. Robert Stinson and Dr. Wilson Martin. Why, thank you. Yes, I have just completed my doctorate uh, this morning. So thank you for recognizing that. Guys, we're grateful for everybody for tuning into the show. Uh, this episode that you're about to watch is an interview that uh, many have requested and many have sought, but few have gained access to. It is the man, Mike Bennett, who is challenging Nick Aldis for the Real World Championship on September 15th at UWN Primetime Live. It's a main event written in the stars. These two Titans are going head to head. I, it sounds like I'm overselling it, but honestly, I think once you hear this interview, you're not going to feel that way. This man is prepped. He is ready to go and it's going to be awesome. And you said that few people have had access to, so I'm really impressed that uh, before you've even put it out there, pe people have access to it. I meant few people have access to like the interview, like the interview. Oh, to him, to him. Yeah, I, thought, yeah. I was like, man, that's crazy. I don't I haven't even heard the thing yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to assure everybody to stick around. The interview goes far better than any of this. So, <laughs> did you have any favorite moments so far? I mean, I mean, we don't have to spoil what's coming up or anything, but I mean, this guy's going to get into, obviously we'll talk about WWE. We talk about uh, his battle with addiction a little bit. We get into uh, clearly the match coming up with Nick Aldis. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed the whole conversation. This guy is yeah, a super I, nice guy. I mean, I think just in general, uh, getting to know Mike Bennett, because uh, as NWA fans who've been primarily focused on the NWA, um, you may not know a lot about Mike. Or if all you know about him is the last three years that he spent in WWE, you don't know the real Mike Bennett. And so that's what uh, I was the most enlightened um, about through talking to him. So. Uh, this was uh, a fantastic experience, and, and I'm going to tell you, coming from someone who like firmly believes in Nick Aldis, and, and I still do, I want to tell you if, you, if you make the mistake of calling this a prize fight along the lines of Apollo Creed and Rocky Balboa, you're dead wrong. This is much more like Marvitz, Marvin Hagler, and uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. This is this is a contest of equals here, and, uh, and uh, you, you, we're in for something special on the 15th. Yeah, and, and, and there's some great stuff in here. I think this is going to be a uh, a go-to interview with Mike Bennett to show when this man started his journey back to the top. And uh, this, this you know, he's obviously been off the scene for a little while. He's back with a vengeance, and he's going straight for the real world's heavyweight champion. And uh, you're going to hear his reasoning and uh, his story a lot in this interview. And uh I just, I, I think you would be mistaken to cast any doubt on this man's chances. All right. And uh, so with that, make sure that you go to Fight TV or uh, Pay-Per-View. You can get UWN Primetime Live. We can't put it over enough. I think this interview is just going to seal the deal for you if you were on the fence. Uh, as always, the show is at the NWA pod on all of the stuff. 
you can find us and uh, at, uh, at Hey It's Will, at This Is Gary Horn, and of course the doctor is at R Stinson 4 or at R D Stinson because he has no consistency whatsoever. But uh, <laughs> all right, enough talking from us. Thank you guys for listening and please enjoy Mr. Mike Bennett. every day for us we come in here and we wait for gary to get his junk That's together right. <laughs> i'm usually everyone's waiting on so it's cool we had some son of a bitch trolling us about the video quality with the all all this one in the chat so i was like i've been like watching youtube tutorials about other ways to try to get this like perfect so i've got you're <laughs> Hey, and man. even if you get it perfect, there'll be some idiot that complains about that too. So okay. it's just always a constant cycle. Yep. Like it, Stinson's chest is freaking pale tonight. What the heck? Stinson's <laughs> <laughs> chest is always blinding. Uh, I'm well tanned, Gary. We're sponsored by Manscaped, and he complains about them every episode, but clearly he <laughs> runs it all over his body. So I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> all right. Well, Mike, Mike Bennett is here. Uh, with the uh, this is the NWA podcast. Thank you, sir, for doing this. We we really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm I'm super excited for whatever's going down. Uh, so I can't wait, honestly. Yeah, man, we're uh, we're super excited about it too because uh, obviously you you just like busted into the the scene of the NWA here recently, and uh, since that's been our focal point, we've had like a billion requests. Like, why aren't you talking to Mike Bennett yet? Why aren't you talking to Mike Bennett yet? <laughs> The guys challenged Nick Aldis for the championship. So uh, he's got kids, man. I'm like he's later. I got kids. <laughs> uh, I think I think everybody gets it here. So that that's oh yeah, that's <laughs> no. It's a uh, it's awesome of you to do this and take the time. And uh, man, there there's so many places that uh, we could go with this. So we'll just we'll ease into it first, sure. I guess, and just ask you like the simple stuff. Like, how are you doing right now? Like, it's been a while. Like, I don't think people have really seen you in a, in a bit. Like, uh, I know I've seen interviews with you where you've talked about, like, uh, the stuff you went through, like, directly after WWE, like how you felt. One point even, I think on a, a one interview you mentioned, like, you had re retirement had crossed your mind and all of that. So, so obviously that's not the case anymore, but, but where is Mike Bennett mentally right now? Um, mentally, I'm actually pretty good. Um, as you had mentioned, there, there was a few uh, rough spots, uh, but I think like, I don't want to say I, I'm any different than anyone else. I mean, the world's crazy right now. So I can't imagine like there's not millions of us that are going through this, like what the heck's coming next? What are we going to do? Um, so for me, as soon as I got released, there was this sense of um, sense of relief, but then also this sense of like extreme anxiety because instantly my head went to my kids and it was like, okay, now you're released. This is what you wanted, but you wanted this when you were actually could go work somewhere and you could actually go do something. And now you're like, what's the world going to look like? So 
I was a little scared. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I think it's okay to talk about the fact that men get scared. And I was scared, especially when you have kids. And I was like, what, what, what am I going to do next? And not only did I get released, but my wife did too. So I'm like, a whole family is like, holy crap. Now we got to figure this out. So I was scared. And I think that really messed with me mentally. And it got to the point where I had been so beaten down. And so just like, I, I fell out of love with wrestling. Because I, I didn't like what I was doing. I didn't like the atmosphere I was in. And so I just genuinely didn't like wrestling. I wasn't watching it. I wasn't paying attention because I was jealous. I was angry. Everything brought everything brought like this negative atmosphere to me just because of the three years of just not being happy. Um, so I went through just this down period of not really knowing what I'm going to do and kind of looking at Maria and being like, I don't know, I'm 35, maybe it's time to call it quits. Maybe it's time to look for something else. Maybe maybe you had your run, maybe you did it. And if you did, you had a cool run and that's it. Um, but I don't know, sometime around the, when the summer started, I just was like, shut up, Mike. No, this is what you do. This is what you've done since you were 15 years old. And so snap out of it. Because if you're gonna provide for your kids, you're not going to go start something new. You're going to provide for your kids with the thing you've done for the last 20 years. Wrestling will come back. We'll figure this out. Everyone's already figuring it out already. And so I just kind of snapped out of it. Um, and so from that point on, I started going just, I, I hit the ground running. I said it in that, that promo. I just hit the ground running. I started going to the gym full time. I started uh, watching tape after tape. Like I just, I fell in love with pro wrestling again. And there wasn't like a single moment. I didn't see something on TV or like I didn't watch an old match. I just I just kind of snapped out of it one day. And I was like, this is what you have to do. And so from that point on, all the way leading up to this match with Nick, I've just been in a good place. Mentally, I'm in a good place. I'm more motivated than I've ever been. I'm actually in the place I was when I originally asked for my release. 100% motivated ready to go, ready to prove people, show people that I'm not just the husband of Maria Canellis, that I have this past that people tend to forget about, that I'm like, no, I have this past, I've done these things. So that, that that's where my head's at, I'm, I'm ready, I'm excited. Um, I haven't been in a ring in like five or six months, but um, I haven't been in a ring for a match. I've done, I've, I've been in the ring to practice and stuff like that, but nothing, nothing compares until you're actually in the ring for a match and it's go time. So um, mentally, I'm there. We'll we'll see if the, the the physicality part holds up. Well, Mike, we're uh, we're stoked that you're now crossing paths with us here in the NWA. When um, you know you're 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 taking us through this period where you're going through all these emotions, you get reinvigor re reinvigorated. When did uh, the NWA enter your radar? When did you? start thinking about that or did that all come together and now this fight with Nick how, how did that come to come to uh, fruition yeah, so uh, it kind it's always been on my radar because I'm I'm such a, a, a wrestling nerd um, I always hate when people call the fans marks and stuff like that because if that's the case then I'm a big giant mark and I've always been my entire life like so if that's the case I'm a nerd I love wrestling and the history of the NWA is professional wrestling I mean, you can say anything else, whatever you want. Um, other companies are bigger, what, whatever. Like, but NWA through its history, if you wanted to watch professional wrestling, you watched NWA. 
that's what you did. And the lineage of, of wrestlers that came through there and champions that came through there. So when I, when I said to myself, I, I no longer want to be a sports entertainer. I want people to consider me a professional wrestler and I want people to consider me the best professional wrestler. My mindset and my, my, my sights started going to who, all right, who right now is considered the best professional wrestler. And so instantly you got to go NWA and instantly that's Nick because he's the champ. He holds the title. He's, he's, he's the man, he's the top dog. And so it, it kind of just in my head, it was always like, you got to go after the best. And then the stars kind of aligned. And I was like, take your shot, shoot your shot, man. See what happens. I've, I've, I've known Nick. Um, we've never been buddies, but I've known him. I think I might've, I think uh, uh, me and Matt Taven had a tag match against him and, and Pepper Parks at the time. Um, but I've never gone one-on-one -on -one with him. But I've always known how, how, how good he is. I, I, like I said, I'm a wrestling nerd, so I've seen all the stuff he's done. I've seen how he's carried that world title. I've seen how he's elevated NWA from where it was to another level right now. And so... I want the best and Nick's the best. So like, the, like I said, if I want to be the best, I got to beat the best. And that's just kind of how the stars aligned. I took my shot and Nick accepted because I know he wants, a, I know he wants a fight. I know he wants to get better. And the only way you get better is by beating people that you think are either a better than you or B on the same playing field as you. You don't go out there and beat some guy who's brand new to the industry because you're not, what, what are you going to do? You're going to be right. I beat the guy who's been in here for a year. But you beat the guy that's been here for 20 years and has held world championships in, in, in impact and in ring of honor and in new Japan. You're like, all right, I've, I've, I've done something and I learned from that. So I give him credit for accepting the challenge because I did come out of nowhere. Um, but now that's all aside and now it's go time. It's, it's funny to me because it's, uh, uh, it just, I guess funny is not the word, but it's just, you, it seems such a, a, ballsy move that like you you just like walk right in and like a lot of people kind of what you were just saying a lot, a lot of people would like ease their way in uh we talked about this on the show um a couple of times that you know you want to you know get your toes in the water a little bit just get your feet wet see what's out there and kind of work your way into something major and you just went straight for the gusto right there right. and uh it's just it's kind of impressive i mean because it's uh i mean this is the we, we always refer to it the real world's champion and uh and and good for you man i'm, I'm glad you're in there and, and and shooting your shot like you said that's that's I mean, awesome it, it's it's sink or swim and uh go big or go home all the cliches you want to use but it's like i've been doing this for 20 years and so there's not going to be a whole lot you throw at me that i haven't seen in 20 plus years of professional wrestling um and maybe Nick will surprise me. And I, I, you know what? I bet he does. But to me, it's like, I've been doing this 20 years. I'm 35. If I'm not going to take a risk now, if I'm not going to throw it all out there now, wh when the heck am I going to do it? Now's the time. Um, I've been, I've been bottled up for the last three years. Um, there's something to be said about a desperate man in desperate times. And that's kind of how I feel right now. If, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead Gary. Well, I was just going to say, I, I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, we, we don't have to spend all day on WWE or anything like that. But um, one of the interesting parts about uh, what I'm seeing from you, just a, 
based on Twitter and that sort of thing, and now we get a chance to ask you, is that um, you, you've been kind of a mixed bag when you talk about it, too. Like, you, you've had um, the moments where you discuss, like, you're, and I think this is popular opinion, you weren't given much to work with, and um, you were trying to make the best of it. You say that and all of that. But um, also today, like, you, you just put out a thing for a Q&A, and I saw you reply to one person, and uh, you, you kind of said, I didn't hold up my end of the bargain. I, I came in out of shape, addicted to painkillers. It was an incredible learning experience and time to move on. Um, it, is that, are you at peace with this now? Like, I mean, overall, just the, just the way things played out there? Yeah, you know, I had, it's weird. It's weird because I feel like in life in general, everyone wants things black and white. Everyone's like, every, it's got to be this and that. You're either mad with WWE or you're happy with WWE. And life is shades of gray. There's no such thing as black and white. We all want it to be because that's easy. We can explain that and we can understand it. But for me, it's always been a shade of gray. So I was at peace with making my mistakes. I had talked to people at them. I was like, I, I, even when I was there, I said, I failed. I fell flat on my face. I came in out of shape. I was addicted to drugs. I don't blame everyone if they said, that's our first impression of you, you're done. Like, I own that. But they didn't say that. They gave me little, little tidbits of hope. And I was told things and I was lied to. And so that really bothers me because after years of being uh, addicted to drugs and then finally getting clean and, and the biggest thing I took away from my recovery was accountability, was you have to hold yourself accountable for every single thing that you do. It might not be your fault, but it is now your responsibility. And these are things I'm trying to teach my, my kids right now, that in life, things aren't going to be your fault, but how you handle them moving forward is your responsibility. And so to me, when I was lied to, that would make me angry because I was like, you're not holding yourself accountable. Then when I got released, I got scared. Like I said, at the, like I was scared, honestly. And, and then I got mad because my wife also got and then I, I got mad because I felt like they threw an entire family out onto the streets. And so again, I wish I could say it was black and white, but at the end of the day, it's not. There's shades of gray where I'm like, I'm mad about that, but on the whole, I, I, I am at peace. I, it's easy for me to sit there and point fingers at everyone else and say, I didn't get this because of you, or, oh, creative had nothing for you, or, or you didn't form a good relationship with this person, or you should have tried harder. That's fine. But at the end of the day, it's on me. I, I'm accountable for every single thing I did. And maybe if I came in shape, maybe if I wasn't addicted to drugs, maybe things would have been different. But on the flip side, I also learned a ton. And I'm going to take the positives from that situation and I'm going to use it and move forward. Because we can all harp on the negative. We can all harp on the stupid things that happened to me while I was there. But what's the point? I got clean. I had two kids. My marriage is the strongest it's ever been. And I'm hungrier in this industry than I've ever been. And it's all because of that. So good or bad, it's now a positive and that's how I'm gonna take it moving forward. I think people would just be blind and, and deaf if they didn't admire you uh, for that and for you know for, for your accountability outlook and for how charitable you've been towards uh, um, the WWE and, and when you speak of them. You have spoken glow, glowingly about um, your time in Ring of Honor and um, New Japan in 205. And, and in particular, you mentioned that you've uh, formulated a relationship with Adam Pierce, who you have a great deal of respect for. 
Uh, and we obviously respect Adam Pierce. His name is synonymous with our world's championship. And um, I wanted, I'm just curious, have you consulted with him? Did you, did you, did he advise you at all? Did you run this idea? Hey, I want to take a shot at this um, at, at any point or how did at your relationship with Adam Pierce play in the back of your mind as you, as you issued this challenge to all this? You know, so it's funny. Um, I haven't actually personally reached out to Adam. Um, I, I probably will just because I admire him so much, but I always feel like challenging Nick was kind of like kicking the door down was you can either knock, you can creep it open a little, or you can kick the door down. And Adam's always been a kick the door down kind of guy. You want something, you go get it. When he, when we were working together at WWE, that's how he was. When he, I mean, he's a big reason why I, I got picked up by Ring of Honor. Um, he was always pushing for me and plugging for me. And he was, I was one of the last guys that he got signed before he actually ended up leaving Ring of Honor. So Adam always has a special place in my heart. And that attitude of just kick the door down is kind of, it's kind of from him. It's kind of, you got to go do what you want to do and then apologize for it later. And so with this challenge, I'm not going to say it was like at the forefront, but I'd be lying if I said that little bit of like scrap daddy Adam Pierce wasn't right there going like, hey, if you want it, go get it because ain't nobody going to give it to you, you know? So definitely 100%. I like your eagerness too, like with the the positive mental attitude here you've got going on. I'm not trying to use buzzwords like PMA or something, but the, just the, um, the idea that, that you've, even through like your ups and downs and your doubts and that sort of thing, like it seems like you've, you've kept yourself motivated uh, to, to at least better yourself for your family and that sort of thing. And, and that's, that's a really honorable thing. Um, I was listening to your podcast uh, that you and Maria were doing and uh, I think I, I think you could call it like a six episode miniseries now. We keep um, saying we're gonna get back to it, and then then kids, <laughs> kids, man. I was gonna ask you about that, like what what happened there, but it, yeah. kids, it, it it we we're kind of we're stuck, and because of this pandemic, we don't have a whole lot of help, and like, and so it's it's kind of just the two of us juggling kids and being like, all right, Mike, you take the kids, and Maria goes and works, and then. Maria takes the kids and I go, we're just trying to figure it out. And so certain things get put on hold and it's just, we're like everyone else. I know everyone, like we're, we're a family just trying to figure it out. Like what the heck is going on in this world? And a, how do we keep our kids safe? How do we keep ourselves safe? And then how do we provide? That's literally all we're doing at this point. I think there was a little testament to something though, that like your, your theme song on there for a lot of episodes is like the three little birds, the Bob Marley song that, <laughs> Um, so that don't worry about a thing. I was like, oh, this is this is nice. This is our meditation moment. <laughs> right, exactly. And it's weird because you never, I mean, I don't think even, I imagine part of the frustration is, it's like when this whole thing started, you're like, okay, I've got to, I, I mean, I could hear you guys talking about it. You're like, all right, we'll, we'll give it till June. Like it's got to turn around by then. And here we are now. And yeah. uh, I mean, I, I was talking to my wife uh, just the other day. I was like, do you remember Tiger King? How many years ago was that? Like, I don't, like it's like time is just completely irrelevant now. It's just crazy. And uh, so um, I guess just uh, it's, it's nice to see you, you, you bounce back like you have. Um, is it frustrating though still to you? Um, like you said, you got back into wrestling, fell back in love with wrestling. I guess 
talk to me about like both even while you were there and not being used as much as you would have liked to have been used versus even now like that you're out of the company is it frustrating to watch the product and know that that's what you wanted to do um, is that are you, are you kind of at ease or you still just got like it just makes you want to prove yourself more I guess I think as a um, as someone who wrestlers are driven generally and like they're creative people and so it's hard not to be frustrated, especially when I was there. It's It was incredibly hard not to get frustrated when you're just sitting there and you're trying everything and you're willing to do whatever, whatever they ask from you. Like, I mean, clearly I was willing to do and make the most out of whatever they asked for me. And I was like, give me something and I'll, I'll try to make gold out of it. I don't care. Turn me into the guy who gets, gets berated by his wife. Let's see if we can make something out of this and have fun with it. So I, it's incredibly frustrating as someone who, wants to be working and, and is and is mentally creative. And not only that, but once I got clean, I started seeing things entirely different entirely differently. Like I was more motivated in life than I ever was because I had kicked this addiction of painkillers and I was like, wow, this is what the world looks like. Wow, this is what 5 a.m. looks like without feeling like a bag of crap. Like holy cow, I want to go do this. And I actually had a buddy of mine who reached out to me and he's like, hey, if you're struggling right now, I just want to tell you this. Think about this. You got to WWE and you did all a lot of these things while you had this weight on your shoulder of being a drug addict. Think about what you can do now, now that you're clean and sober. And that always stuck with me. I was like, wow, I never thought of that. Like now I can really go full force and do this. So I, I feel like I was extra frustrated because I had like, I wasn't doing anything. And I had this incredible motivation and this credible drive that was just like eating me alive. Um, but now I'm kind of at peace with it because I'm going to try not to say anything to get myself in trouble, but I see how that place works. And I honestly can say to myself, you did everything you probably could have done. And so do I get frustrated when I see guys? Not really because I know how it works. And honestly, right now I'm at a place where when I see guys in that company that are buddies of mine and they are getting good things, I'm happy for them because I see guys that have families. I see guys that have worked just as hard as I have. I see guys that I travel the road with and it really turns into me being like, Oh, I'm happy for them. That's really cool. Um, for those people that don't know, um, and, I, and we don't have to get too personal again, I, I always feel like I have to put context to all this, but, um, you know, Mike, you, uh, one of the good things that came out of WWE is there's an excellent uh, video package that was done with you and Maria, and, and it talks about your addiction issues, the, the opioid thing. My, what we call the, the shoot job, actually deals with opioid addiction and, and uh, that sort of thing. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's, an, it's an interesting subject to me. But uh, from my my understanding from that video is you, you had a kneecap injury and then you were prescribed the painkillers and then you had to keep going and broke a rib and had to get prescribed more or stronger or something, which seems to be a common story for a lot of people. Um, has has this time for you? Um, I mean, speak on it as much as you want, but has this time have you felt in a place that this part of our lives right now has not, I, I worry that it hurts people a lot more, like especially people struggling with that sort of thing. 
Um, how how is that for you? Like, do you feel like you've just overcome it so much it's not an issue, or is that a, still a battle for you? No, and so that's that is exactly what it is. Uh, I actually was talking to Maria about this recently, and I was like, I'm so thankful that I got clean and sober when I did, and I moved so far past it that I'm in a good place. Because as tough as this time has been, I honestly feel like I, never once has that creeped into my head. Um, which I sit here and I think about that and it makes me extremely proud and extremely happy because if this was four years ago, that I probably would have been like more and more and more because that, that's just where I was mentally. Um, but I'm incredibly blessed. I have a strong support system. My, like uh, I, I say this and I'll say this till the day I die. My wife saved my life. She is my rock. She's my soulmate. Like she, I wouldn't be here today without her. She, she fixed this problem. She made it so I could get through this. Um, and having her through this whole thing and then having my kids, like I actually am at the point now where Gary, I feel like I'm like you, where I'm starting to think about other people and I'm almost like, wow, this really sucks for people that are in like the thick of it. And I really feel for them. And I hope they have someone they can reach out to because I know how tough it was for me. And I wasn't trying to do it in the middle of a pandemic. So like, um, even when I got to the worst place mentally that I did during this pandemic, it was never, that was never even popping up in my brain. Um, because I feel like I did, I feel like I have moved so far past it. Um, I feel like I put in the work to get there. Uh, and I feel like I have too much to live for now. I got two beautiful kids and a wonderful wife. So I just feel like, I feel like I, I like you said, I, I have totally moved past it. Good. You should be proud, man. Awesome. Thank you. Well, Mike, uh, one good thing that did come out of your career at WWE, I think we can all agree on, is uh, yours and Maria's theme song. Uh, <laughs> that is a, a frequent yeah. mention on our show. And I just wonder, when you guys walk into a room, do you ever just pull your phone out and play that song and then you guys embrace? Because I would if I was you. So, funny story about that. Uh, first of all, yes. Um, and then second of all, when we were having our, our first child, uh, we, Maria, I mean, obviously it's, it's some people go quick. Some people take a long time when they get to the hospital. Maria was kind of somewhere in the middle, but in order to keep her mind off things, they had her like walk the hallways and stuff. And, and so while she was walking the hallways, I took out my phone and I started playing it and she looked at me and she's like, you're an idiot. And, but it worked. It kept your mind off of it for a little bit. And I was like, come on, this song is awesome. I'm looking through, uh, I was just going through my, my, my tape library earlier today and just looking online and stuff and looking at some of the, uh, your past notable victories, you know, in your career. And, and you've got clean wins over guys like Colt Cabana, former NWA world champion, uh, Drew Galloway, you know, Drew McIntyre, uh, uh, Adam Cole. I mean, the list goes on and on. Your your tag partner Matt Taven. So you were on a Twitter discussion today where you were opening yourself up to Q and A, and someone was asking you about why uh, this challenge, and you said, "Well, because I want the best." So where, where would this rate? You know, you, you go into this match, and, and you're 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 challenging Nick Aldis. You go in. Where would this rate in in your challenges? <clears throat> Honestly, and this, I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys, this is by far the most important match of my career. 
because I, I genuinely feel like I'm fighting for my life here. And by fighting for my life, I don't mean like if I lose, I'm going to pass away. What I mean is wrestling is how I make my living. Wrestling is how I provide. Wrestling has been my life for 20 years. Unfortunately, for the past three years, I gave the fans this perception that I'm something entirely different than I actually am. And so my fear is people are going to assume that I will always be this Mike Canellis guy that was there and don't know Mike Bennett. And so for me, this is my, I'm looking at this as my one opportunity to show people this is Mike Bennett. He's not messing around and he's going after one of the absolute best wrestlers in the world right now. So to me, there's re- I, I am fighting for my career. I'm fighting for my life. And Nick is the guy who's standing in the way. So this is, this is top. This is the, this is the peak to me. Um, but I also believe that every, the match that's in front of you has to be the most important. It just has to be. Um, Tom Brady, I'm a big New England Patriots fan. I'm sorry if everyone, but I mean, Tom Brady doesn't even, even, uh, play for them anymore, but they always used to ask him, Tom, what's your favorite ring? And his answer was always the next one. And so that's always your attitude going forward. And so this is the next match. This is the most important. Um, and, and that's not taking away from any of those guys that you just listed because like I, when you start naming those guys off, I'm like, wow, that's really cool. I did do all that. Sometimes I forget cause it's been so long, but, um, Nick's the next guy in the, in, in, Nick's the next guy in the way of what I need to do to provide, to win, to remind people of who Mike Bennett is. So this is the next, this is the biggest match. You kind of bummed me out there because uh, I think you're somewhere around Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. I am, huge, yes. I'm a huge Bears fan. So. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I, I, you've heard it, Maria, too. She's a Bears fan. Now, she, man, so. now you're, you're, you're a Red Sox fan, correct? I am a Red Sox fan, yeah. Okay. So I've got the Braves and the Red Sox here in the back. I'm a Braves fan, so we're about to, we're about to sweep your uh, Bo Sox here. here <laughs> so, Boston-born, Boston-born and bred. So that's just that's right, how it is. Do you still get a lot? Episode three, if uh, I would encourage anybody who hasn't heard it yet, if you go to uh, the Non-Essential Wrestlers podcast with Mike and Maria, um, episode three is my favorite. Um, I, I think it's actually called "Go Off Mike," um, <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's you talking about people expending all of their energy being so negative. This is like one of my mantras too. Like I try my best every day, almost annoyingly so. If you ask my wife to be right. like overly positive and right. like try to look for what the benefits are of the situation we're in. And uh, so anyway, you go off on just fans and their desire or, or just people in general to see something in a negative light and, and take the time out of their life to say something about it. Right. Uh, we were talking when we first started up today about a, a troll that hit us on the, the all this interview and stuff. But um, I, I guess where I'm going is what, what's, are you still getting a lot of negative energy or, or is, is that, are you, are you experiencing that from your release or, or how, how's that going for you? You know, as long as there's Twitter, there's always going to be uh, negative. And as long as there's people that are upset or miserable, there's always going to be negativity. Um, I get it all the time. I, like every, daily. I get it. My wife, my, by God, the stuff, 
if you ever want to see like the depths of the, the, the drudges of society, go to like a female uh, professional wrestlers, Twitter page or Instagram, like just the most vile, unbelievable stuff you'll ever read. But I get the negativity all the time. Um, and it just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it because I go out of my way to be a positive person. I've said to people time and time again, I don't blame WWE for anything that happened. I take full responsibility, but people don't want you to be honest on Twitter. They either, they want you to uh, have the same opinion as them. And if you don't have the same opinion as them, then they look at you as a bad guy. Not as someone who has a different opinion and we can still be friends. No, you are the bad guy. It's, it's like I saw someone put on Twitter the other day. They're like, oh, I love Ben and Jerry's chocolate ice cream. And they were like, uh, this is how Twitter handles it. Oh, so that means you hate Doritos. It's like, what? No, that's not, that's not how it works. No, I just said I like Ben and Jerry's chocolate ice cream. And, but that's Twitter. And so, again, I went on that rant. I don't get it. I don't understand if you don't like something, why comment about it? If I see something I don't like on the television, I turn the channel. I go to something else. If something's bothering me, if the Patriots are losing, I turn the channel. I'm like, I don't want to watch this anymore. It's upsetting me. I don't go to Twitter to tell people how much it's upsetting me. I like to use my Twitter to tell people, hey, this is really cool. You should check it out. Hey, this wrestler kicked ass. You should check it out. I like using it for that purpose. Um, but I, honestly, as long as I have an opinion, as long as you guys have an opinion, people are going to look at you as a bad guy because there's going to be someone out there that has a differing opinion. It's just, that's how it is. And even if I was to go online right now and say, I love WWE, someone would say, so that means you hate WWE then? I'd be like, wait, what? No, that, how did how'd you even get that? That's just how they work. They I, I put out a tweet the other day about uh, Ali and I said, imagine having a company and not pushing this guy or using him as world champion. And people are like, oh, you just hate WWE. I was like, no, I just really like my friend. I really like him and I think he's talented and I want more people to, to notice. But that's that's just how it's always going to be. It's mental gymnastics, man. It drives me crazy too. I, and I've seen that. There can't be like nuanced discussion. People will just like go out of their way to be. I, I saw it like when I was uh, doing research uh, slash stalking you today for like stuff, you know, for like looking at things. I, I saw where you, you know, you, you go to bat for Maria about how she helped you through, you know, everything you, you just talked about, like uh, with, with the addiction issues and she saved your life. And uh, because somewhere along the way, I think something got out that WWE had paid for something and um, you were like, no, that didn't happen. It was, you know, my wife helped me through this. And, uh, and you, and you very specifically even say like, I don't blame them for anything. I didn't expect anything out of them, but they just, they didn't do this, you know? And, and you're like, literally those words are there, but then immediately there's like tweets all around it. Just like, well, typical bitter guy, you know, coming out of WWE, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, the guys, like the words are, I mean, he typed words that say that's not the case. I don't, I don't know what people want. It's facts. And that's what bothered me is when people got the facts incorrectly, I said, no, let me tell you what the facts are. They didn't, but that doesn't mean it's good or bad. Those are just the facts. It's like data. When you get data in as a science scientist, the, the data is not good or data is not bad. It's just data. And then you take it from there. 
those were the facts and people were getting them incorrectly. And it bothered me, not because they were giving someone else credit, but because they were taking away from the woman who saved my life. And that bothers me. That bothers me as a man and as a husband. I was like, no, she was there. She was there when I was, when I literally was shaking from what was going on. So don't tell me someone else did it when she was the one who was taking care of me. She was the one who was making sure I was eating and making sure I wasn't throwing up and all this stuff. So it's like to say that someone else did it and take away from that, I was like, no, let me explain the facts to you. And unfortunately, like you said, nowadays people go, oh, you're just going to bash the company again. So what do you want me to say? Not say anything at all? Just say, oh, yeah, okay, well, they helped me and she helped me. And it was just this one big party of every. No, she helped me. I didn't ask them for help. And I've admitted that too. I didn't go to them. I didn't say help me. No, I went to my wife and she helped me. Those are the facts. You take, do, do with them what you want. So how long have you hated Doritos for? Since <laughs> <laughs> they started tasting so damn good. <laughs> One of the things you did mention uh, today in your Twitter Q&A along the same lines, but not talking about the, the, the trolls and things like that, like we're talking about, but somebody asked you, you know, do you listen to fans criticism? And you said that you, you, you used to not when you were younger, um, but now you do because they're literally the consumer. So when it comes to, you know, obviously you've got these trolling comments, but what kind of, uh, of fan criticisms from, you know, that are constructive uh, do you take to heart and, and how does that fuel you? I try to take, I mean, you can always, I think I've gotten to the point now where you can tell when someone's trying to either A, get under your skin or B, genuinely talk about how they felt watching the match. And so I try to take the fans who say, I liked it, but I wish they would have done this differently. And then I try to see through their eyes and I try to say, well, why, why did you feel that way? You know, it's, there's always going to be fans that just say, oh, Mike, Mike Bennett is vanilla and he's boring and he's only here because of his wife. I'm just going to tune them out because they're there to just get under my skin. But if there are fans that are legitimately offering criticism and giving you uh, what they want to see, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't listen to them. It's they're consumers. And I don't think that's a negative thing to say. You're consuming a product that I'm providing for you. I want you to come back for more. How am I going to do that? If I'm just saying you're stupid, you don't know what you want. What? When I go to a restaurant, I know exactly what I want. I want a steak. I want it medium rare. And I want a baked potato. If you come out and you bring me macaroni and cheese, I'm going to say, that's not what I wanted. They're going to say, no, you don't know what you want. This is the best macaroni and cheese. And that's, that's kind of been a mentality that was instilled in wrestling for so long where it was like, you tell the fans what to think. And I understand that. I understand we're dictating and we're doing all this, but I think we need to start listening to the fans. And I think there are a lot of companies that do, but I think as a whole wrestlers, and companies and promotions, I think as a whole, they need to start listening to the fans more because they're consuming the product. I'll and tell you what definitely wasn't. The room. <laughs> I'll tell you what definitely wasn't vanilla um, or boring or anything was the the uh, the promo. You could the challenge. I mean, the challenge you cut was fire. It was intense and and um, and instantly the the landscape in the National Wrestling Alliance changed and the world blew up over that. Uh, and you obviously have to be aware of that. 
uh, we're all family men here. Uh, we're all husbands and Will and I are both fathers like you are. And I'm just curious, like what, what did that conversation look like with you and Marie and you and Frederica? She's probably old enough to start to kind of begin to understand that dad has this big role and, and he's going to do this big thing. So I'm just curious, just as a dad myself, like what, what did that conversation look like? And obviously, you know, in your promo, the family uh, center that you have is part of your urgency. So I, I'm just curious about that. So, uh, yeah, like you said, my, my family is, is everything to me. What I do, what I do now is for my, my kids and it's for my wife, every step, every, um, every single move that I make is literally with them in mind. Uh, but I'm also incredibly blessed because Freddie loves professional wrestling. She loves it and she throws a mean super kick. Um, so after I cut that promo, I showed it to her and she was so like intense. And then she was like, Oh, daddy angry, daddy angry. I was like, daddy's fired up. Daddy's not angry yet, but daddy could get angry. Um, but as far as my wife goes, she's, she knows what this means to me. Um, she's a hundred percent all in. She's been there since, uh, when I was not being used at WWE, she was in Japan with me. She was in ring of honor with me. She knows my passion and my drive. And she knows that when Nick accepted this, she saw that, that fire in my eyes again. And she just went, all right, we're doing this again. Um, and that's, <laughs> I just remember, uh, just to give you a little bit of Maria's mentality the day we got called and got released. She just kind of looked at me and she's like, all right, we're doing this again. And that was, all right, hit the ground running, time to hit the Indies again, time to hit wherever we got to do to make a name. Because she's already done it once and she she left WWE the first time and she made a huge name for herself in Ring of Honor in Japan and completely turned people's perception around. So she knows what it means to um, have a perception of you. I mean, she was the ditzy interviewer. And then from what she did with Ring of Honor in New Japan, she completely turned her the perception of who she was around. I mean, a lot of people don't even talk about the fact that she was the ditzy interviewer anymore because she changed people's idea of who she was. She became the leader of the kingdom. She became this fighter for women's rights in professional wrestling. She became all these things that people are like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, you used to do that too, but now we remember you for this. So... When I got the opportunity, when Nick accepted this challenge, she knew exactly what this match meant to me. Like she knew this was a chance to change perceptions. This was a chance to tell people, all right, the guy you saw for the past three years, that's not the real Mike Bennett. That was just me pretending to be somebody. The real Mike Bennett is who you're going to see on September 15th. Now, um, it, we can't help it coming up, and so – since since we're already talking about Maria, I have to ask you. Um, as we know, Nick uh, is known to have a crew, and uh, as part of that crew, there's a there's a lady named Camille who regularly hangs out with him and uh, has escorted him to the ring on many occasion. Um, is is that something you guys are considering for uh, a backup plan that maybe uh, Maria has to uh, be at your side as well? Uh. I know for a fact that Maria has already played 600 different scenarios in her head and she is a hundred percent ready to do whatever is needed. Um, again, you're, I know I keep going back to family, but you're talking about a mom right now and a mom that'll do whatever it takes 
for her family to survive. And if her family needs to survive, rests on my shoulders, then she'll make sure that those shoulders are protected and that they don't get pinned and that there's not going to be someone else that makes those shoulders pinned. Um, I just, you do not want to get on Maria's bad side. Believe me, I, I've been there and it's not a place that I enjoy getting to. So, um, yes, uh, this, this scenario has not only played out in my head, but I'm sure, no, I'm I'm hundred percent guaranteed that it's played out in Maria's head a million times already. Fellas, I don't want to walk all over you, so I was, I'm sure I was letting you go. <laughs> go ahead, Will. I know you got a question. <laughs> yeah, sorry, let me. I lost my notes here. It's okay. We're used to being live, and we don't, <laughs> we, don't we don't get to be this casual, so it's a little different for us. Well, I also talk a lot, so <laughs> I, I get rambly, That's... and so sometimes I worry that I'm like walking on people by talking, by taking up all your time, and so. Yeah, so uh, you know, not to be uh, presumptuous, or you know, I know you're you're looking at Nick and Nick alone in this match as the greatest thing ever. But for you personally, um, you know, as a, as a wrestler, as a competitor, um, what's your outlook past September 15th? Are you uh, looking to hang around the NWA? Are you looking to, uh, you know, obviously you want to walk out of there with 10 pounds of gold on your shoulder. Um, And so that being the case, you would be on a completely different trajectory and, uh, and stuff like that. But, for you personally, you know, have you have you thought past September fifteenth yet, or are you still just solely focused on on this match? So, uh, I'd be lying if I said like you you obviously always think about what's next. I mean, that's kind of a role as a professional wrestler. Like, you can never settle in because it's always all right. What comes next? What are you going to do next? So, I'd be lying. I'm a hundred percent focused on Nick, but let me phrase this as the bigger picture of my life. Um, the reason why I wanted to leave WWE so much is because I just wanted to wrestle. I just wanted to be a pro wrestler again. I didn't want to be a sports entertainer. I didn't want to do three minute segments on TV where I was dressed as a chicken. I wanted to be a professional wrestler. And I kept looking at all the talent on the independents and NWA and all these other companies. And I was like, want to wrestle those guys i want to just wrestle i want to have 20 to 30 minute drag out you beat my ass i'll beat your ass professional wrestling matches i was watching all sorts of new japan and all japan i was like that's what i want i want to beat the crap out of somebody and i want them to beat the crap out of me and then i want to shake hands or to flip each other the bird and walk out because we hate each other that's what i want so what I'm 100% confident I'm winning this championship. So when I win the championship, I want to take it and I want to have those matches with whoever wants to step up, step up. Young, old, you know, uh, I'll go overseas. I'll do, hopefully all these countries will open up again and I can go overseas. Um, but that's what I want to do. And I want to have, I want to have match after match after match until I can't anymore because I took it for granted for the longest time. And now I have the ability to not take it for granted. And I keep going over, and I'm sure you'll see this on my Twitter. This is about redemption for me. This is redeeming redeeming something that I lost. I need to redeem myself. 
Um, and this, 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 this world championship is all about redemption. And then whatever comes after that is all about redemption for me. And you're describing uh, the, the prize fight, which is something that we discuss on every show. That's what draws us to the NWA. It's built around that, that epic 35 minute to an hour prize fight, you know, and I would say it, it, th this is beginning to feel like that, that I would say it feels like Creed Rocky, except you're not that much of an underdog. I mean, you, you could do this thing, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but, but I, I'm just curious, like as you're preparing for this, which you've described as the challenge of your life and, and, and something that you, you must do, you must come out and you, you have to win. What is, and you don't have to peel back the curtain too much, obviously, I, you know, you've got your strategy at play and, 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 and your junior things and you're entitled to your secrecy and, and, uh, and your game planning and all that. But I'm just curious, like, uh, what can you share with us as far as what your preparation looks like right now, as far as gym time, are you studying tape? Are you watching some of Aldous's prize fights with say Cody or James Storm, who's, these are guys that you have a history with? Uh, doing the, the the tape comparison, what, what's going on as you as you get ready for for really the Super Bowl? Yeah, um, I, I I actually like that question because I, I feel like um, obviously uh, watching tape time and time again is important. I I just I'm on the treadmill for like an hour at a time. I'm just watching Nick's matches, same matches, new matches constantly. Like I'm picking up all of his little intricate things that he does. I'm watching how his feet move. Um, I'm looking at his wind. So uh, my main focus right now, and I'll be 100% honest, and I don't think this is really going to surprise anybody, I'm never going to be bigger than Nick. Nick is clearly going to be bigger and stronger than me. So I'm not going to hit the gym and try, to, and try to put on like 20 to 30 pounds of muscle. My main focus right now is I need to outlast Nick. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working on my cardio. Um, because I know that if we can get, if I can get Nick to like the 20, 25 minute mark, um, I think I have a, 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 a an even better chance to beat him. Um, I got to make sure I can tire him out before I can, I can pin him because I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go blow to blow strength to strength. I know it. I mean, he's not that much bigger than me, but he's bigger than me. And I understand that. And so I want to make sure that I'm not putting myself at a disadvantage. Um, but I'm, I'm a hundred percent obsessed with watching these matches. Like I think I'm seeing Nick all this matches in my sleep at this point, uh, which is kind of weird, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I have two things I'm studying, which might sound weird, but I'm studying his footwork to see how he moves around the ring. Because I think if I can, if I can figure that out and capitalize on that, um, I won't tell you why, but I do have a strategy for it. I'll be able to figure him out even better. But I'm more concerned about my wind and and outlasting him because I think that's that's the most important part. And honestly, I consider myself a desperate man, so that's my biggest motivation going in. There's a lot. I've already hit rock bottom, so you can't scare me at this point. There's nothing I haven't seen. I was I was. Uh, like I said, I should have been dead for my addiction. So none of this scares me. The bright lights, Nick, all this, the world championship, the intimidation, it doesn't scare me because I'm like, I've already survived the worst. So bring it on. It just reminds me of the, uh, you were saying, I was thinking of Tombstone, you know, Wyatt Earp when he says, uh, 
I've already got a guilty conscience. Might as well have the money too. (laughs) I love that. That's fantastic. That's exactly how I feel right now. And I'm strangely at peace, which I think is a dangerous thing for a man to be when he's going into a big fight is to be at peace. Mike, we obviously want to be respectful of your time here. I had a, I had a couple of random things I want to ask you, and then we can round back off with uh, more about the fight at the end if, if you've got a few minutes here. Definitely. Um, so I was curious about going back to something you said earlier. You uh, you mentioned you know taking the criticism from the fans because you know when you go in a restaurant, you know exactly what you want to eat and that sort of thing. Um, tying it in back to your uh, podcast and some stuff I've seen you say elsewhere as well. <laughs> Um, I love your idea of, I, I remember, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, I saw you talking a lot about, um, now's the time, like you've got the fans you've got, it doesn't seem to be fluctuating too much. Now's the time to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Um, obviously WWE's doing some weird stuff with like Thunderdome and, uh, all of that's going on. So it seems like they're, they're, they are trying new things, but for you as a guy, who has watched wrestling his whole life, has been a part of wrestling for so many years. Um, right now, you're sitting down at a restaurant. I mean, is, is, is wrestling what you're looking for, or where is wrestling now compared to how you envision wrestling being? Uh, can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because it's just – it's such a weird place. Um, but I feel like out of um, – what they say that uh, – necessity is the mother of invention and like that you have to be creative right now. So I, I think uh, as tough as it might be sometimes, I mean, sometimes I watch wrestling now and like the quietness of it is really difficult for me to watch. Um, once they started to figure that out and companies started to figure out like we need a presence, there needs to be a presence here. Um, whether it be, uh, wrestlers around the ring, whether it be Thunderdome, whether it be whatever. Um, I think they started to, they started to get back a little bit what, what wrestling was and is. And wrestling is a presence. It's a feeling. So to just wrestle in an empty room, it's, it's, it's nothing and you're not really doing anything. Um, but it's wrestling is entirely different than I thought it would be. But I think, I think the feeling is still there. You still want to you still want to make people feel something, whether it's ten thousand people in an arena or five people sitting on their couch at home watching it on TV. The main objective is the same. The main objective is to make you feel something and to make you love it, hate it, laugh, cry, dance, whatever you want to do. That's wrestling. So that hasn't changed. We just have to go about it in a different way. And I think we're still all trying to figure it out. But like you said, I think the fans are there. There's not a whole lot of new TV content going on right now. Wrestling is one of the rare things that is constantly pumping out new content. So just try it. Fans are incredibly loyal. I think we've seen from the all the shows that are on TV, whether they air on Wednesday night or they have to jump to Saturday night or they got to go to Thursday night or, or whenever, fans follow it. So you have the fans. They're there. Wrestling fans are so loyal. They'll stick around. They just want to be entertained. They want good quality professional wrestling. They want to feel something. So in that sense, wrestling hasn't changed that much. We just have to go about it in a different way. Like we can't have people turn on the TV and just be like, all right, there's two 
guys in the ring, but it's completely silent. What am I looking like? You turn on a movie and there's it's not silent even if like there's still in there's still a presence. There's still a feeling. They're either outside in the streets in New York City or they're in a busy bar or they're somewhere else. There's always something going on. So wrestling just has to figure that out. And I think they're slowly we're slowly getting there. And probably by that point, fans will be allowed back and we won't have to worry about it anymore. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed. But um, yeah, I, I don't think wrestling's changed that much in what the, the, the goal is. And the goal is to make people feel something. So the other thing I want to ask you randomly, and I'll let these guys uh, ask any other follow-ups they have, but um, one of the Q&A things got to me today um, they asked you uh, HBK versus Brett, and Brett's my boy. I'm and, sorry. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so I'm just curious why. You know, um, honestly, it's probably more of a recent, I mean, not too recent, but to me, one of the greatest matches I've ever watched is Shawn Michaels and Undertaker. And so from that moment on, I was just like, this guys he's just, he's the best. I just, that match, it just, to this day, I get goosebumps thinking about it. Um, and so that is what, I mean, I think Brett's amazing. So it's like, it's like, do you want pepperoni pizza or cheese pizza? I like them. I like them both. I just happen to like pepperoni pizza a little bit more than I'll, but I'll still eat cheese pizza. Um, and that's how I feel about, and, and, and Sean in that match is what put it over the top for me. I was like, I just, that match was just so good. And I just, I can't get past it. In your time in, in the business, I mean, have you had a chance to interact with either of those guys? Uh, yeah, I mean, Sean works down at the PC, and I've had conversations with him. He's brilliant. Um, I don't see Brett. I've, I've seen Brett a few times on the indies. He's Brett's another great guy, and he'll help out anybody who asks. So um, they're just both guys who are two of the best, and now they're giving back. And it's just like you couldn't ask for two better guys. Well, along the same lines, you know, the NWA and – uh, what we refer to as the hashtag NWA fam uh, is heavily rooted in uh, history, legacy, and tradition. Um, so, you know, you mentioned HBK and Bret Hart. Who are some other, uh, you know, legends of the business who have really inspired you in, uh, in your becoming a professional wrestler? I know when I was a kid, I was dropping elbows like Randy Savage, and that was what I had in my mind. You know, who were some of those guys for you when you were coming up that you really kind of idolized? Uh, so, I mean, the person, uh, and I, I, I've had the opportunity to tell this guy time and time again, that he actually inspired me to become a pro wrestler was, was Mick Foley. Um, because I was in the Worcester Centrum Center when he won the world championship for the very first time. And I have never heard a crowd react the way that they reacted when he won stone cold came out, he won the world title. Like people, I get goosebumps right now just thinking about it. People were jumping out of their seat, falling over. That's how excited they were. And that feeling that I got as a fan, I was like, wow, I wonder what Mick feels right now as a wrestler. And that made me want to be a professional wrestler. Um, as I got into the industry and started watching, like uh, obviously like watching Ric Flair, he's, he's, he's the best. I would, I, I think I've watched every single Ric Flair and, uh, steamboat match possible. And I think I've watched them a thousand times on loop, like, and like Harley race. And, and my biggest inspiration once I became a wrestler was edge. 
because he just uh, signified he signified what a heel should be. He was grimy. Um, he was dirty. He cut a hell of a promo. And then when it was time to go, he could go in the ring with the best of them. Um, so those guys always stand out. But for me, it was like, I know everyone looks and they're like, oh, you know, this person or that person or this person was so good technically in the ring. I look at emotion and who drew the biggest emotion out of me. And that was Mick. No one thought he could be a champ. And then he took that title and I was just like, and I've had the chance to talk to him when I was at WWE and on the indies. And like, he's actually, he's a, not only that, but he's a wonderful human. He sends my daughter Christmas letters as Santa. Um, and so he's just like that to me. Once he did that, I was like, all right, you're, you're over in my book. There's nothing you can do no wrong now that you made my daughter happy. Um, but yeah, he, that emotion I'll never forget. So he was the, the biggest influence I would say. One of the one of the things that come up in your your body of uh, of interviews and podcasts and whatnot constantly, you're always alluding to creativity and how much you appreciate uh, places where you can go and be creative and uh, have that outlet. And then here you're referring to Mick Foley, who's one of the most intelligent you know uh, men ever to enter the business, speaking multiple languages and this and that. My daughter and I actually do a show on this channel where we where that's our that's our that's what we do. We talk about how wrestling is a high form of creative art and uh it's not it's not you know trashy or anything like that and uh so I, i'm just curious knowing that you're you're so passionate about that and, and that you thrive in environments like that how do you see this opportunity with the nwa as being a creative outlet for you honestly it's because i can be myself because i can tell people my real story right uh, what you're seeing, like you're seeing 100% Mike Bennett. I'm getting the opportunity to, to dig down deep into like what I'm feeling and, and what I've gone through. And I'm getting that opportunity to project it out to the world. And that's incredibly freeing. And I feel like this is maybe not from like a actual creative standpoint, but from like an emotional standpoint, this is the most emotional I've ever been going into a match. Um, if people tune in on September 15th and they can't feel the emotion, then I don't think they're alive because I'm literally pouring my heart and soul out to people. I'm telling, I've let people into my personal life. I've let people see the demons that's, that, that, uh, that I would never tell anybody about. Like people are understanding what this means to me. And like I said, the reason why I fell in love with Mick was because of the emotion. And I feel like with this, I get to actually express my emotion, exactly how I'm feeling, exactly what I'm going through. Like when I wake up, I think about this match. When I go to sleep, I'm thinking about this match. This isn't just another segment on Monday Night Raw. This is, this is real. This is everything to me right now. And that I want people to feel that. I want people to know. I'm not going in there just to entertain the fans. I'm going in there to fight for my life. And I don't know. I love that emotion. I love the rawness of it. And like, and I know Nick knows it. And I know this is important to Nick because I know that he's looking at me as a guy who spent three years not really wrestling, challenging him out of the blue. If he was to lose, that's going to hurt him professionally. And I understand that. That's not going to be uh, 
a highlight of his life, of his career. I know that this is just as important. And I know he's had a lot of off time too, just like the rest of the world. Um, so I know he's going through a lot right now. And I know he, this is real to him. I know he's got a lot to prove when you're the champ, everyone's coming to knock you off. And so like, he's probably looking at me as like, I know Mike, I know his accolades. I know what he's done, but he's not taking down the champ because for the last three years, he hasn't done anything. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm looking at him as my opportunity to turn my life around. So this is as real as it gets. And, and you, you've come on our show and clearly say that, uh, stated that you hate Bret Hart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to the – I love the, the, the HBK versus Bret Hart question. I love that because you may or may not know that it just so happens that Nick Aldis' favorite is Bret Hart. So I wonder I, – I, I don't want to read too much into this, uh, and maybe I am, and maybe it's part of the fun of it, the creativity – is that, I mean, is there something there that you see something in the style and the expressiveness and creativity of, uh, of the heartbreak kid? And then whereas you see something in more of the, the statesmanship of like a Nick Aldis that might be epitomized in Bret Hart. Do you see that there or am I just grabbing for straws here? No, I, I, I think it's a hundred percent true. Um, and I can even see the, the differences in like, I think there's a lot of similarities between me and Nick. Um, Nick had a perception about him a lot in his career that he was just the guy that came from gladiator or this and that, like he was never, but he was always a pro wrestler and it took him a long time to try to shatter that perception and be like, no, I'm a pro wrestler and I'm a damn good pro wrestler at that. Um, but I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot, Nick, Nick carries himself in a certain way. Um, like you said, he's, he's statesmanlike, just like Bret Hart. And Shawn Michaels is, is, is kind of flamboyant and kind of like, this is who I am, take it or leave it. And that's kind of where I'm at in my life too. I'm kind of like, I'm a dad. I got a girl and I got a boy. You don't like me. You don't like what I say. I don't, I don't care. I got too much that I like in my life. You know what? I, and Shawn's kind of like that too with D-Generation X and the Heartbreak Kid. I'm not so, I'm not concerned about carrying myself a certain. I'm more concerned about uh, providing for my family, fighting for what I want, and showing my my kids that this is what you do when you want something. You go get it. Be proud of who you are. Um, and so um, I can 100% see the comparisons. Um, and HBK was always better, and that's why I'm going to win. <laughs> Well, Mike, you've uh, you've obviously been super generous with your time, and we appreciate it. I, I do, you know. Hopefully you've seen it, and if you haven't, uh, Nick Aldis came on this show and accepted your challenge. Uh, we were Excellent. honored, of course, to yeah to, to have him on here, actually accept it. Um, the thing you, you 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 said a lot, which makes perfect sense, and, and what gets me fired up for it too is that you're you're talking about fighting for your life, and uh, and right as uh, I think Will was reading your tweet about how everybody needs to see this full video. You don't normally say that about your stuff, and um, you know that that this is different. This is something bigger. Um, Nick's very first comment, you know, is "Be careful what you wish for," and um, he's Nick and you. You both do have very similar uh, paths. It seems like it's one of the things that I love. Um, but Nick's a guy who's who's already had the perception, had to rebuild himself. He's become a world champion. He's out there doing his thing now. And so 
I, I tried to challenge him on like, you don't need to overlook anyone. And, uh, and he does any, any, he, he was kind to you. He says he sees your accolades. He, he gets like, he wouldn't have accepted the challenge if he didn't think you were a worthy challenger. But he was also like, I, I've seen guys do this before. We've seen the guys that leave the big dogs and they come out here and then they need to reinvent their self and they're going to use someone like me and they're going to do it at our expense. And he's like, I've seen them get jacked up. They're ready to go. They're looking good. He's like, that's, I've seen it all before. He's in for something else. I just wanted to take a minute here. If you, if you could, Nick's going to be watching this. I mean, I, I'm, I'm positive of it. Yeah. And um, do you want to address him? And, and what his thoughts are on this match and, and maybe just speak to him directly, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, um, first, I, I want to thank him for accepting the match because he didn't have to. Um, and so that, to me, tells me that he, he does want to go against the best because I don't think Nick would accept a challenge if he didn't think he was going to, uh, if he, he didn't think it was going to better him. But the one thing I think he's overlooking is the fact that I'm not like these other guys. It's one thing that drives me absolutely nuts is I'm constantly called an ex WWE wrestler. I was there for three years. I've been wrestling for 20 years. I'm not an ex WWE wrestler. I'm a professional wrestler at 15. I was going to a tiny little uh, flea market in New Bedford, Massachusetts and bumping in a boxing ring and getting my butt kicked by guys who were 10 times older than me, 10 times better than me, 10 times bigger than me. Um, I eat, I sleep, and I breathe professional wrestling. I'm not an ex-WWE anything. I'm a professional wrestler who's traveled to New Japan and won the IWGP Tag Team Championships. I went to Impact. And I won the X Division Championship. I went to Ring of Honor and I won the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship. I wrestled Tanahashi at, at, at Ring of Honor. I've, I've been in the ring with the absolute best. I'm not someone to push aside. He might be correct in the sense that saying, I'm trying to reinvent myself, but I'm not really trying to reinvent myself. I'm trying to make people remember just who the hell I am, who the hell I was. Because I don't want people to remember me as Mike Kanellis. I want people to remember me as Mike Bennett, who did all this other stuff. I'm a professional wrestler. And Nick needs to remember that I'm a professional wrestler. And I respect the fact that he's champion. And I respect the fact that he completely changed the perception. And again, I'm trying to change the perception, but not into something entirely new. I'm trying to remind people of just who the hell I was. And quite frankly, if he's overlooking me a little bit, that's fine. That's just more motivation. That's just more, more fuel. Um, I've literally built my career off of people overlooking me. I was told I'd never go to New Japan, and I did. I was told I'd never wrestle for Ring of Honor, and I did. I was told I'd never go to WWE, and I did. I've proved people wrong time and time again. And I'm not trying to sound cocky. These are just the facts. Like I said before, these are facts. Take them and do with them whatever you want. And Nick, I'm telling you, take the facts and do whatever you want with them. Take them and say, yep, he's still just the guy who's getting himself jacked up. And I've seen this time and time again. 
that's fine. But these are the facts and I'm going to lay them out for you. I've done all of this. And now September 15th, let's see where the facts land. Well, fellas, that's a, I mean, I can't think of a better way to, to wrap things up than that. Uh, Mike Bennett versus Nick Aldis for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship on September 15th at UWN Primetime Live. You don't want to miss that. I have, I, I'm, I'm just happy to have a match to be this pumped up for. This is exciting stuff, and uh, it's going to be available on Fight TV and on pay-per-view. you got to make sure you're there for it. Uh, Mike, th thank you so much again, man, for doing this. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you guys for having me, honestly. And not one single kid cried right now. So I oh, think yeah, I know. They were, they were perfect. They knew this was the, the, the moment. Uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you just in case they're living under a rock and, and not sure where that is? Yeah, no, I mean, I check me out on Twitter. I try to interact with as many people on Twitter as I can. You're really good at it. You really I are. I try to listen to the fans. And if you're going to reach out to me, uh, how egotistical is it if I don't respond back? Like you're, you're taking your time to. So, yeah, I try to talk to as many people as possible. Uh, the real Mike Bennett on Twitter. Uh, the real Michael Bennett on uh, Instagram. And that's where I'm at the most. If you want to see a lot of wrestling talk, pictures of my kids. Uh, I do a lot of motivational speaking because it's helped me get through tough times. So that's where you can check me out. All right. Well, we are, we are grateful for that, that motivational aspect of you as well. I mean, I, I, you definitely should be proud of, of everything you've accomplished there. And uh, I think it's exactly that kind of toughness that, makes you a, a really big threat to Nick Aldis and his world championship on September 15th. Uh, thanks again for your time and uh, we'll, we'll see you then. Yeah. Thank you guys. Take care of yourselves. All right.